They thought him uh, suicidal because of what he'd volunteered for. He was uh, a new priest in the diocese uh, that was uh, termed Geneva, but the Catholics had been thrown out. The bishop were living in Annecy by the Great Lake there. And he was newly ordained and he volunteered for an impossible task. And that was in the corner, the lower right corner of France in the Alpine, the early Alps, he volunteered to win back the Chablais region. I know it sounds like Chablis, I had to get your attention, but Chablais region. To win back the Chablais region from the Calvinists. And it was an impossible task, they were relentless, and many people said he would be killed, and indeed there were several attempts, which mercifully he managed to escape. But he was relentless himself in trying to convert them. You can imagine in many ways the way he would say, well, we're sure of what we believe and simply serve that up. He did try to make the Catholic case. There was no bending on that. But he did it gently. His, the collect on his feet speaks of him as gentle and humble of heart, just like our blessed Lord. It was St. Francis de Sales, whom we know. This is around 1600, in the lower right corner of France, in Savoy. And he went with, uh, with an immense amount of faith. No one else had volunteered or even dared to. His father was insisted he come back before he come back in a coffin. But he said, the son you raised has so much courage, do not listen to what my servant tells you. If your, your servant were instead your son, you would not be surprised, you would have courage. And he kept going. We listen on TV with dismay sometimes of people who are very sure of themselves about the Christian faith, but would drive anyone away. Because the hallmark, God is love, seems absent, and they're always finding a new group to hate. And the point of Francis de Sales said, said that it was not by anger or arguments that we would win Geneva, but we would win by love. We would win by love. If you think you have the better arguments, there are many people who've looked at it and said, that's indeed true, the winning cards. It would be hard not to be proud or loud or whatever, but the thing that grounded his efforts in common sense and good heart toward others was undoubtedly humility. He was passing on what the Lord taught with a proper understanding. And the power to do that came from God and the word was from God and he would leave it to the good people and the spirit in their hearts, the Holy Spirit, to win them over, but not arrogance on his part. And so he found it hard to speak because no one wanted to be caught by their neighbors listening to him. So he came up with pamphlets. And so if you ever wonder why St. Francis of Sales is the patron saint of writers in a church that has Aquinas and Augustine and other people whose names start with A, uh, it's simply because he started pamphlets long before the Paulists and he got them out there. And people in the privacy of their homes could think of the arguments and discern themselves and reflect and in full freedom decide to come back to the old faith and they received back 10,000 people. It's impossible that that could be done, but he and the Holy, he tried it, trusting in the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit made it happen, and so too the providence of God. When he founded with St. Jane de Chattel an order of women the visitation of Holy Mary, he gave them a number of conferences. One of my favorite is called about cordiality. And you say, well, 
you might need that more on the street. I'd say, well, you really need it in a convent where you're within the same walls all the time for the rest of your life. You really need to keep good relations with each other, don't you think? And one again could say, well, I'm right, my way or the highway. I'm not sure if that really produces the unity that you would expect. But working at cordiality, reaching out to the other person is at the heart of it. Every first Thursday of the month, we have a dinner over here. And the first Thursday of the month is coming up and we have that at seven o'clock for grad students and young professionals and postdocs. If you think that couldn't be an advertisement for that, could it? It is, it is. And, but I've always mentioned to them after benediction as we go over there, that uh, a great way to be sure you enjoy yourself is not to think of your own happiness, but to recreate the other person. So that your aim reaches all the way into the heart of the other person. Cordiality of the heart. Reaching out wholeheartedly to the other person and not like a boomerang back to your own happiness only. Isn't it obvious that that other orientation is what does it? And is it not true that what grounds that as a foundation is humility? I'm not just here for me, the world doesn't just exist for me, I'm not the only person here, but here's everyone else. And after we hear God's word and receive the body and blood of Christ, that third thing which we so often forget in the exercises of Sunday and why we come together in a way, most importantly, is to build the body of Christ, reach out to each other and then the world, and to go out in cordiality to others, in love, not in arrogance, but to hear their story and to let them educate us and to share what the good Lord has taught us. The importance of cordiality, the importance of courage, but also the importance of humility. Francis de Sales used to teach people, there was this conference he gave on humility, and he said, uh, humility is so easily misunderstood, it means sort of rolling over like you're a worm and doing nothing. But he said there should always, there should always be a two-step. And the second part of turning everything over to God should be this. As the apostle says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. So to be humble and leave it to God, but then to take in that grace, that determination of having discern God's will and go forth to do it, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Do you think there's a graduate chaplain who says that to graduate students who are worried that they may be a mistake by admissions? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Yes, indeed. I talk endless numbers of people out of leaving grad school early, endless numbers of undergrads who are comparing themselves to others out of leaving early, and I remind them, the admissions doesn't make a mistake, they're perfectly made for here. Then in the remainder of the year, I talk people out of suicide and remind them that they're not a mistake. And one has to have the humility to know that one has such thoughts oneself and admit it before one can sort of shake hands and understanding and be of help to others. I don't know if you've had a chance to travel this summer. Concerns with COVID have kept people limited to home even now. So I thought we'd travel. I used to study in Rome, and once I had to go to Vienna for a thing of my order. We have a house on Anagasa right by the opera. I was going there for a month. And on the way out, I had the luck to stop. I was just student with student money, so just a quick overnight in Venice. Magnificent, never seen it. I couldn't figure out why the streets were full of water, but I hope you'll explain it to me later. And then on the way back, Verona. And there it's small and compact, magnificent things. And they say it's at the edge of town, but it was a very short walk. I came to the finest Romanesque church 
in the north of Italy, San Zeno in Verona. There was a fellow, Edward T.P. Graham, who got the highest award at the School of Design at Harvard, the architecture school, and he was given the commission to design a church here once the McKay estate sold the spot and the Catholics decided to build a church at Harvard. And for the facade, he had the idea of San Zeno in Verona. He gave us, he gave us the church we have. I have given tours of Verona and I know it's not identical, so I used to say it's an echo, but I stopped that two years ago because two years ago I was shaking hands after mass and people were shouting in Italian behind me, they stole our church, they stole our church. I turned around, saw all these Italians getting out of a taxi. They were from Verona, they were from San Zeno. So now I just say, not it's an echo, I just say it's a copy. No jury would convict. The point I want to make is the thing, the magnificent church inside this tower but the amazingest thing I saw when I went there were these great plates almost a thousand years old on the doors of the life of San Zeno and the life of our blessed Lord. So many of them are obvious. We see them in our museums all the time. It's the one we brought over. You can imagine something like Nativity, Annunciation, Last Supper, Crucifixion. You could stand back 50 feet and tell them. But there was one that left me in my ignorance puzzled. And it showed a bench with four, and they're very deep bas-reliefs. They're very thick, very deep. So quite impressive, but very basic and fundamental. And so I saw these four people sitting on a bench. And I saw someone in front of the bench on all fours, down on his hands and knees. And I couldn't figure out what it was until I thought, how stupid I am. It's the washing of the feet by our blessed Lord. It is hard to think of a better expression of humility. It is hard to think of someone other than God himself who is pained by human ignorance, human arrogance, human trouble, human uh, traitorousness. One of those, after all, was Judas. One of those was Peter who denied him shortly after he said he never would. And yet he washed their feet. We sometimes say, this is wrong in the church, this is right, wrong, this is wrong. And of course, it's made of you and me, so you can see why there are things that are mistaken at times are wrong. But as someone said to me so well, why should someone privilege Judas over Jesus? Why should we let someone's mistake get in the way of the gifts of our blessed Lord to us in the gospel and in the Eucharist and in the mystical body of Christ as we encounter him in each other and in the poorest of the poor? How silly for us to let those things get in the way. Perhaps it's a lack of hearing fully the Christian message and that most marvelous of gifts, most difficult but deepest of humility. To open our hearts to God and let God take over and no longer trust in ourselves. And then to realize on that firm foundation, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.